Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. We're tracking some major breaking news out of Japan. The assassination of former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe. He was shot twice while delivering a campaign speech. As the casket of former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe drove through the streets of Japan, thousands of people lined up to mourn, pray, and place flowers at the freshly dug grave of the beloved and controversial man. His followers and friends remember him as a man of great vision who had become vital in developing and maintaining peace between the Asian countries. No one seemed to understand how or why the longest serving prime minister who had resigned only two years ago would be shot and killed. As the country and the world watched on in disbelief, news began to appear with a possible explanation for a sudden and horrific act of violence. Amidst the chaos, one group started appearing everywhere you looked in relation to the shocking event, the Unification Church. News outlets began reporting that this was an act of revenge for the 41-year-old suspect. In the eyes of the shooter, the former Japanese prime minister was one of the many people he blamed for crippling his family. Nearly 20 years earlier, his mother had made a donation, which was so large that it bankrupted the family. While the shooter claims that he had originally planned to go after the church leader, he turned his attention to Abe, who had become just one of the many politicians who had been associated with the group throughout the years. Shortly after the news broke, the leader of the Japanese chapter of the Unification Church, AKA the Moonies, revealed to the world that the shooter's mother had in fact been a member, but refused to address the accusations that her gifts and donations had severely impacted her family's life. While the former prime minister's link to the church, who many call a cult, is documented through a video he sent three years prior, the leaders and many others remained bewildered by the resulting violence. As this story and its connection with the controversial organization continues to grow, it has led many people to ask the question, who exactly are the Moonies? Hello everyone, and welcome to The Corporate Casket. I'm the Illuminati, and today we're going to be talking about the Unification Church, a competing new world order that we all now have to deal with. You may know them as the Moonies. The Moonies have recently taken over the news stream after a person assassinated the Japanese prime minister for his supposed affiliation with the group. In the past, their relationship with Donald Trump had catapulted them into the spotlight and their current use of AR-15s in ceremonies because of the outlandish belief that Jesus had access to American-made munitions is totally a thing and that's raised quite a few eyebrows. The story of the Unification Church started with Sun Myung Moon and goes back when he was just 15 years old. And I'm just gonna call him Reverend Moon from now on because you know, pronunciations are not my forte. At this young age, Reverend Moon proclaimed that Jesus had come to him and instructed him to embark on a special mission on earth. He had to go to Japan and America to make the world aware of the greatness of the Korean people. And that's exactly what he did. He would face extreme discrimination and brutality while in Japan. According to him, he lost count of the number of times he was arrested, beaten, and tortured by Japanese police. And honestly, that isn't completely surprising considering he went into Japan to spout the idea that Korea was just so much better than they were. Eventually, he did come back to Korea where again, they also weren't too fond of him and he would experience extreme hardship. 
Now, it was in 1948 and Reverend Moon had just returned to North Korea after years of traveling through Japan, preaching this supposed greatness and his goal to one day unify the world. His return to his home country was not a welcomed one, by the way. His constant preaching had raised all of the wrong types of flags in his country, and he was arrested and thrown into one of the infamously brutal labor camps within the country. There, according to him, he was beaten endlessly and continuously told that he needed to admit to his crimes. What these crimes were, I have no idea, though there is some speculation. And the speculation is that it was crimes for spying, sexual assault, and bribery, just to name a few. As the Korean War broke out, Moon remembers the walls of the prison falling. And soon at around two o'clock in the morning on the next day, he walked calmly out of Hyunnam prison with dignity. Shortly thereafter, he decided to start the Unification Church. From the very beginning, he set out with one key message that should be held tightly by all his followers as they worked to expand the organization. Their goal was to unify the world and save everyone from their inexplicable sins by turning the Unification Church into a world religion, followed by all. The question of how to do this was one that seems simple enough to answer for the group, spread out. Go on missionary trips to all countries and all cities and spread the news about this great new church that allegedly hoped for world peace and a unified world order. And truthfully, good luck with that because it's a bitch of a market to break into. I should know being the Illuminati knockoff, but hey, you know, what do I know? But this church went beyond just asking to speak to some people. For them to be successful, they had to dismantle communism, become leaders in every and all capitalistic ventures and infiltrate the world's politics. While all of this may sound outrageously insane, they've actually been relatively successful in achieving it. And I don't know about you, but it sounds really similar to how the empire rose to power in Star Wars. And if you know what George Lucas based all of that off of, there's that too. But hey, let's bring everyone together under one person with one way of thinking and one specific religion. What could possibly go wrong? Well, that was a rhetorical question, but the answer of course is a lot. A lot could go wrong. Still, the Unification Church became massive and widespread, especially after their move to the United States in the 1970s. So. How did they become so massive and what was life like for their members? The path of recruitment into the Unification Church was one that involved the classic signs of brainwashing and trauma bonding. As young people who were often uneducated or recently out of school were brought in by current members. At first, the new wannabe members were showered with love and affection, otherwise known as love bombing. But soon the mood changed. Members were told over and over that their past ways of living were sinful and deserving of punishment. But this new life would lead to unspeakable fortune, success, and fulfillment. Unfortunately, to get to that point, they would first have to complete a few mandatory steps. Stephen Hassan, who was a former member of the Unification Church, told his story of recruitment to The Guardian. He was 19 years old and was sitting in the cafeteria during the spring semester in college. Suddenly, three girls approached, telling him they were in a student movement and asked him if he would want to join. There didn't seem to be any red flags and he even asked them if they were part of a religious group and they said no. So he started going to a few meetings. It was there that he was told to drop out of school, donate his bank account, look at Moon as my true parent and believe his parents were Satan. You know, the normal requirements for a school club. No red flags there at all. Slowly, the group started to introduce him to the teachings of the church until one day they invited him to a special evening at their headquarters, which just so happened to be a giant mansion. There, they sold him on taking a special workshop and quickly dispelled any of his concerns by asking if he was close-minded. So they kind of got the you know MLM formula down, gaslight, gatekeep, girl boss. 
They sold a 40-day trip as a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to become better, and he was told that he would regret it for the rest of his life if he refused. So again, he agreed. He was placed in a dormitory and instructed to cut off all communication with friends and family. By the end of his stay, he was hooked. For the next two years after that point, he worked 21 hours a day on behalf of the group, giving lectures, doing PR, recruiting new members, and fundraising. He was told he had to make at least $100 a day, and if not, he would be kept awake until he could meet that goal. Now to me, in my you know humble opinion, that sounds like torture and a blatant violation of human rights, but okay. Like the others, he was kept away from his family. Kara, who had been born into the church and later got married in a spiritual ceremony held by Reverend Moon, staunchly remembers her mom leaving her behind with a nanny for two years while she was on a missionary trip for the group. But this was an honor, they were told. They were spreading news and ideas that they thought would change the world. Still, the news that the organization had been ripping families apart, sending children and parents away from their homes and their families began to ripple through society. Slowly but surely, the truth seemed to come out. In 1981, the group sued the Daily Mail in London for libel after they revealed their recruitment and predatory practices to the world. After hearing from 117 witnesses, including current members and defectors, the Moonies lost their case. Soon after, the book, The Making of a Mooney, was released by a renowned sociologist detailing how the group, or rather cult, recruited its members and grew their membership. But while all the horrifying news about the recruitment and the treatment of their members started to pop up in regular news streams and books, there was something else far more bizarre and captivating that caught the public eye. Before we talk about their shady backdoor business dealings and questionable rise in political power, let's talk about some of these weird mass marriages that took place in venues like Madison Square Garden. Would you let your parents pick your spouse? How about your religious leader? Dutiful couples pair off thousands at a time and a bride shares her most intimate day with 2,000 other brides. While the all night scramble for hair and makeup is just the beginning of the challenges ahead. It was a ceremony like no one had ever seen before. And it had all been devised by the Unification Church's self-proclaimed Messiah and his wife. As the true parents of their followers, they bestowed what was considered to be a great honor upon thousands of people, choosing their spouses. Many of them came to the church young, full of confusion and hope that they could one day find a place to fit into the world. This is exactly what Reverend Moon offered them as he preached for love, acceptance, and of course, world peace. Decades after beginning the church, he would start the mass ceremonies to display the greatness of his new organization to the world and cement his legacy as the one and only Messiah, the true parent of his followers. Participating in a mass wedding ceremony was not handed out to just anyone. People had to show their commitment and true faith in the church and participate for years before being given the opportunity to be given a spouse. While some marriage pairings would be done with the assistance of testimonials and introductions of parents and families, others were chosen through one simple method, pairing pictures. Moon considered interracial and intercultural marriages vital to spreading his message of world peace and found it to be one of the best methods of annihilating the barriers between cultures to create a world in which everyone becomes one. Now, while that may sound nice in theory, in practice, it's a little more complicated than that. Many of the couples did not share the same language, had no understanding of the other one's culture, and found themselves thrown into a relationship with no ability to communicate. So of course, what could possibly go wrong there? Still, when the day came, most of the thousands of couples who gathered together, donning traditional Korean clothing, were smiling from ear to ear. This was the day they had been waiting for. As Moon and his wife eloquently enter the massive arena, sauntering down a red carpet, they lead the thousands of couples in chanting their I do's. 
Together, the betrothed promise their true parents that they will pass the tradition of the church onto their children. They swear to never divorce and teach their kids to commit to sexual purity before marriage. Tens of thousands of people would participate in the unification marriage throughout the years. This spiritual ceremony wasn't legally binding, but many of them later legally married throughout the years. But there weren't any of those pesky little wedding night jitters for these new married couples either, as the tradition called for them to wait at least 40 days after the ceremony to consummate the marriage, which probably isn't the worst idea in the world, given the fact that most of the couples had only known each other for a few days or weeks at most, and some didn't even speak the same language. Some were meant to wait even longer. And why, you might ask? Well, some ex-members shared that there was an expectation that they wait three years, and of course, recruit at least three members to the church. I guess having sex while married was some sort of reward for their dedication rather than just, you know, what married couples do. While the giant nuptials caught the world's attention as one of the most bizarre traditions of the religion at the time, there was much more going on in the background. Like, did you know that couples actually had to pay for their own ticket to go? It's true got a pay to play and pay to get married surrounded by thousands of other people. Suddenly the giant tradition seems to make a bit more sense. Imagine how much dough you bring in when thousands upon thousands of couples are paying for just one day, just marrying people to the bank. You see, the Unification Church is more than just crazy traditions. It's a business, one worth hundreds of millions to billions of dollars that only continues to grow. But hey, a giant religion that's actually a billion dollar business with huge political influence, what else is new? It wasn't long before religion manifested itself as a business. It started small and simple, with Moon and a few followers selling paintings of US soldiers and selling them to turn a profit in the 1950s. But soon, it would take off. Only nine years after beginning his new church, Reverend Moon began to build his business empire. In 1963, when he founded the Tongil Group, which throughout the years would dip its hands into practically every business type imaginable from teas, construction, magazines, soccer teams, and so much more. As Reverend Moon migrated to the United States in the 1970s, his business only grew with different corporations popping up throughout the world. Now, when you walk into a restaurant or even a grocery store to get your favorite sushi, you usually don't think of where it comes from or how such a seemingly fringe fad in the world of food in America quickly became one of the most popular types of food. As it turns out, you have Reverend Moon to thank for that. The self-proclaimed king of the ocean aggressively advanced the prevalence of sushi in the United States through the help of some carefully planned marriage ceremonies in which he paired Japanese people with Americans and a call to his followers to open 1000 restaurants in America. He established his very own fishing business, held tournaments for his followers, and even took over boat manufacturers to build his sushi empire. All the while, the members of the Unification Church were told that the building of this fish empire would be vital in ending world hunger. Many dedicated themselves to the business, holding on firmly to that very goal. But here we are almost 50 years later since the sushi explosion, and there's no end in sight for the world hunger problem, especially not from the Unification Church. Yashiro, who started a business in Chicago, told the Chicago Tribune, "'I was wondering if we are really here to solve the world's hunger. Every day I pray on it.'" But he kept pushing, believing that his role for now is just to continue growing the empire and making as much money as possible. Maybe eventually it can end world hunger, he hopes. But newsflash, it won't. The business empire of the Unification Church grew rapidly. Currently, no one can be sure of how many businesses or how much money precisely can be traced back to the church, but people expect it to be somewhere in the billions. Even worse, almost none of that goes back to helping anyone, despite what the church will say. 
Instead, it either funnels its way back into the church, into the pockets of the followers, or to build the wealth of the leaders and their families. Capitalism at its finest. But it wasn't all rainbows, money, and butterflies for the founder. The fast-paced expansion of Reverend Moon's businesses led to some questions. Where did all this money even come from? The true answer to this is actually still a mystery. At one point, Reverend Moon was financed by two Japanese billionaires who just so happened to be self-admitted fascists. But in 1978, it seemed like everything took a turn for the worst after what was deemed the Korea Gate bribery scandal. The scandal would uncover evidence that the Korean CIA had been funneling money through a Korean businessman, Tong Sun Park, who was often referred to as the Korean Gatsby. Park would then use this money for bribes or rather campaign contributions to Congress. Soon, rumors began to fly that Reverend Moon was partaking in a similar scheme and the Congressional Subcommittee on International Organizations recommended further investigation into him and the church saying that they were trying to build a worldwide government in which the separation of church and state would be abolished and which would be governed by Moon and his followers. However, Moon caught a lucky break shortly after Ronald Reagan's election. Suddenly, all the investigations stopped and the Unification Church and its growing businesses could continue on without suspicion. That is of course until 1985, when he was actually convicted of tax evasion for failing to report $162,000 on his returns, leading to an 18 month prison term, which he served 13. Still, upon serving his time, he came back and just kept on building, right up until the day he died. You may be wondering, with all of this scandal, how did the church survive? Well, how do any good business conglomerates mixed with cult-like accusations survive their scandals? They were deeply entrenched in American politics. Now, this might shock you, but there's a reason Ronald Reagan saved them from being investigated. And it wasn't just out of the kindness of his capitalistic commie-hating heart. Today marks my first State of the Union address to you, a constitutional duty as old as our Republic itself, the nation that the destiny of self-government and the preservation of the sacred fire of liberty is finally staked on the experiment entrusted to the hands of the American people. So practically since the beginning of the Unification Church coming to the United States, they and the GOP have been best buddies thanks to the millions to billions of dollars donated to the original leader, Reverend Moon. While some money went directly to political candidates, much of the rest was shipped off to think tanks or even founding tabloids like the Washington Times, Ronald Reagan's favorite newspaper apparently. In 1991, another magazine owned by Moon, Insight, awarded a $5 million contract to Direct Mail. A few years later, Direct Mail communications would be used by the Republican National Committee, George Bush, and even the NRA. Perhaps it's not a surprise that Moon was so supportive of GOP politics and spreading conservative messages given his change in viewpoint towards the United States. At first, when he arrived in the 1970s, he was incredibly complimentary of the country and its then conservative values. He even went and fasted on the Capitol steps after Watergate, praying that Nixon would not be impeached. But as things started to progress and change, you know, civil rights, Roe v. Wade, rest in peace, and other progressive policies, his tune began to change. Do you know all of those like Satan has taken over American comments that we hear from far-right politicians today? Yeah, he was actually saying the same thing back in the 1990s. Apparently, Moon wasn't exactly thrilled that American women were starting to actually have some sort of freedom and autonomy. He argued that once his movement gained speed and continued to grow, Americans would learn to let go of their individuality. That doesn't really sound like the best person to be deeply impactful to our political system, but those types of ideals sure do sound familiar, don't they? In 2004, shit got real weird. 
In March, Reverend Moon and his wife made their way up to the United States Capitol. You may assume that they were there for typical lobbying or to speak to a few senators, but no, it was much more weird than that. One day, a coronation took place, as well as an announcement that Reverend Moon was the Messiah. And I'm not kidding, in the Capitol, this happened. As he walked into the room sporting a crown on top of his head, politicians looked and listened on as Reverend Moon spoke in Korean with a written interpretation in tow. He said that emperors, kings, and presidents alike had declared to all heaven and earth that Reverend Sun Myung Moon is none other than humanity's savior, Messiah, returning Lord and true parent. There, he declared that he and his wife were the king and queen. And you heard me right. This unhinged egomaniac sat in the United States Capitol only to declare himself not only as the returning Lord, but that he was the king. Now, why did that even happen in the first place? Well, he and his wife had been invited to the Ambassadors for Peace Awards, and that's literally why they were actually there. Reverend Moon clearly wasn't going to miss the opportunity to talk about himself in front of powerful politicians though. Keep in mind, this was decades after the Unification Church had already been called a cult that separates kids from their families. And after Moon had been in prison for tax evasion, but hey, that's all in the past, right? Well, to most politicians in attendance, it seemed like no big deal. Maybe because he was donating to their campaigns, but that's just an idea just a thought, just a little thinky think, nothing to really consider there, just an opinion. Even after cultivating a strong relationship with politicians and creating immeasurable, literally, footholds in the business world, something strange began to happen. It seems their scandals, mass weddings, and recruitment styles finally reached the masses and their membership began to plummet. So they began to ask themselves, what now? And before we try to unravel and answer that question, let's just take a quick moment to thank today's sponsors. Shopping for clothes can be a daunting task. You never know if things will fit, returns can be difficult, and sometimes you just don't even know where to start. So this season, let Stitch Fix do all the hard work for you. Because whatever your style is, now more than ever is the time to rock it. And maybe you just need a little nudge to push you into the right direction. And that's where Stitch Fix can help you out. And it's super fun and easy to get started. I've been using Stitch Fix on and off for like two, two and a half years at this point. You just set up your Stitch Fix profile and you can customize it as much as you need. You get to answer a few questions about what you like to wear and what you don't and how open you are to trying new styles. One of my favorite things when you go through the Stitch Fix profile is you can specify the length of your torso because I kind of have a longer torso and a lot of times a regular size top kind of goes a little crappy on me. And so this is really nice that they offer that. So they look out for longer shirts and sweaters for me. So you go through that quiz and then Stitch Fix's expert stylist will go to work finding items exclusively for you, for your size, your style, and your budget. And it makes it one of the best ways to discover clothes that make you look and feel your best. Then Stitch Fix will send you those five pieces to try on at home. You keep what you love, send back what you don't. Shipping returns and exchanges are always easy and free. So sign up today at stitchfix.com slash casket to get $20 off your first purchase. That's stitchfix.com slash casket to get $20 off your first purchase. This is a limited time offer and you have to purchase within two days of sign up. Now we've all been there because seemingly out of nowhere, life's going okay. And then you get hit by an unexpected expense or bill. And when it happens, it can feel like the weight of the world is coming down and it's normal to not know where to turn. Luckily, Upstart is here to help. Upstart powered personal loans can help you pay down high interest debt. It's simple, easy to understand payment terms and it's all done online. And it doesn't matter if you're you know, just consolidating high interest debt, maybe you're paying off credit cards, maybe you're funding a personal expense, a trip, a whatever. Upstart can help you get one fixed monthly payment with a clear payoff date. 
And Upstart knows you're more than just your credit score. So rather than looking at your credit score alone, Upstart's model considers other factors like your income, employment, and other information provided in your loan application to find you a smarter rate for your loan. And you can check your rate in minutes for loans between $1,000 and $50,000, all without impacting your credit score. So don't wait and check your rate today at upstart.com casket. That's upstart.com casket to check your rate today. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. Again, go to upstart.com casket. To ensure their ultimate survival, the Moonies found themselves with two options, adapt or fall apart. Now they chose to adapt. And at first it seemed as if they were heading in the right direction. The arranged marriages and the mass weddings had been paused for a few years, but they slowly started to reappear again. However, they were a little bit different this time around. Instead of Moon choosing the companions through the super informal and impersonal methods of just throwing a couple of pictures together because, hey, he's got a feeling they'll work out. Parents were now in charge of choosing the matches for their children. Kids could even get a say. They don't get to decide, but hey, they get a say in the process, which is new and improved. Another change was focused on education. Prior to the onslaught of consistent negative criticism towards the group, many of the young recruits were college dropouts who had thrown their education dreams to the wind to join the group, traveled to new cities, and spread the word of their true parents to the world. Now they were looking for college valedictorians. That seemed to make a bunch more sense given the community's emphasis and stark admiration of capitalism and the ability of their members, and of course the group, to make as much money and create as many businesses as physically possible. I mean, have you seen how many businesses are associated with the Unification Church? It's a lot. The new Mooney mission was to bring people back and they did this by watering down some of their prior requirements. Before, most Moonies were required to give up their families and friends and sacrifice their relationships all in the name of finding and converting as many followers as possible. Philip Shanker, a longtime member told NPR, "'Although we talk about universal love and value of the family, we sacrificed our families to the extreme.' And that was Reverend Moon's emphasis. He saw himself as a person who would sacrifice to create a family and gather followers. And then he asked them to sacrifice. He put his kids through hell, like Gandhi, Gandhi did the same thing in order to move India. Reverend Moon is trying to move the world. And listen, Phil, can I call you Phil? Calling Reverend Moon like Gandhi seems like a bit of a stretch to me. I mean, Gandhi had some issues too, for sure, but he wasn't out here telling people to literally try and take over the world so it can be unified. Usually people who say things like that aren't exactly starting giant organizations for other people. There's just a tinge of narcissism in there, just a bit. Still, Phil claimed that the church had turned 180 degrees. It's all different now, all good, no more weird things. But hey, there's more time left in the episode, so you know that there's just a bit more going on. Because as it turns out, the new Unification Church is actually worse than the original, all thanks to the son of the original founder. In 2017, years after the death of the Messiah, Reverend Moon, his son created his own faction called the Sanctuary Church. Much of it was actually the same. The new church brought along the same ideology as the original, but added one more thing, guns. Because isn't that just what every fanatical religion needs? Sean Moon introduced AR-15s into the symbolism, ceremonies, and teachings. Why, you might ask? Well, he points to a passage in the Bible that says Jesus used a rod of iron to display his authority during the end of times. Even though AR-15s clearly did not exist at that time, Sean begs to differ. He claims that the iron rod in the thousands year old story was an American made AR-15. And I'm 100% serious when I say that. 
Now, this absolutely insane human being believes that Jesus had an American-made AR-15. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I need to hold it together better. And also just to have a factual moment here in this insanity, AR-15s are made of aluminum, not iron. So that rod of iron thing is kind of also debunked right there. Now, normal people have the far more understandable theory that the rod of iron was meant to symbolize a staff. And that makes sense, but no, not Sean. It was clearly a gun. So due to this belief, AR-15s are now included in basically every type of ceremony possible. And that's to include weddings. Talk about shotgun weddings, am I right? Now, Sean wears a literal crown of bullets during ceremonies and has his very own gold-plated AR-15. I I just, it's gold now? Like, what is it? Is it a rod of gold, a rod of iron, a rod of aluminum? Like, just get the story straight, buddy. Now, of course, this belief clearly has nothing to do with the fact that his brother, Justin Moon, owns Car Arms, a gun manufacturing company. I'm sure it's just a happy little incidental coincidence. No connection to be seen here at all. In 2018, just a month after the horrific Parkland shooting in Florida, the church decided to have one of these delightful gun heavy marriages, or excuse me, commitment ceremonies in a Pennsylvania church. There with some members adorning AR-15s and of course bullet crowns, 250 people were spiritually married. But hey, the guns weren't loaded apparently, so no cause for fear. All is well, kiddos. And I say kiddos, not as a joke, as a nearby elementary school had to close the day of the ceremony for safety concerns. Yeah, if a couple of hundred people who quite literally worship guns miraculously appeared down the street from my school draped in AR-15s and bullet crowns, I'd probably close the school down too, especially right after Parkland. Then in 2021, they found themselves in news yet again when our favorite former US president appeared at one of the meetings for the worst timed political speeches ever. It was the 20th anniversary of 9-11 and while past presidents all over the country traveled to speak to first responders or other survivors, Donald Trump didn't do that. Mr. Trump decided to instead attend the Mooney Rally of Hope to give a speech on that day. Now, I'm sure you're gonna be surprised by this next statement, but the Unification Church had been one of his biggest supporters campaigning for him and even making an appearance at the insurrection. I'm sure this surprises nobody after learning more about them. So on this historic day, he sauntered his way into the building full of loving supporters to give a speech. While there, he congratulated the group on their efforts throughout the years to unify the world. And because he'll never miss an opportunity to talk about his absolute awesomeness, took credit for minimizing the threat of North Korea, who had been testing missiles while he took the presidency. So it seems the Mooney's political connections still run quite deep. This cult perhaps is one of the biggest we've ever covered. It spans multiple countries and has decades of powerful influence over international politics, business, and interpersonal connections. The assassination of the Japanese prime minister has shocked the world and has in turn catapulted the cult back into the mainstream news media. Maybe this will lead to a better understanding of the group, or maybe it will just be quietly swept under the rug like all of their past newsworthy moments. But with all of that being said, that is where we are currently ending today's episode of The Corporate Casket. If you learned something new today, make sure that you're liking, following, and subscribing. And when you're subscribing, especially on YouTube, make sure to hit that bell notification icon. That way you get notified every time there's a new upload. I wanna thank you for spending some of your time here with me today. I really do appreciate it. And I look forward to entertaining you once again in the next episode. Bye.